We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good evening, everyone. So tonight, uh, before we jump into kind of what I want to focus on tonight, I just want to highlight our second reading really briefly. Um, in all the different courses I've taught over the years and uh, when I lead Bible studies, people generally know that if I ask a question, if the answer isn't like God, the answer is usually Exodus. And tonight in our second reading, this is so important, right? St. Paul tells us in the second reading tonight that if you, if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, the answer is Exodus. Thank you. One person listened. Great. Yeah, the answer is the Exodus. If you want to know what it means to be a Christian, it means the Exodus. In the Exodus story, Egypt, right, becomes a symbol of sin in the world, and Israel, Paul tells us tonight that Israel left Egypt, right? They, were, they left the world in the negative sense. You cannot be a Christian if you don't leave the world. I wish you could, right? What every one of us wants, and I do too, is I want to have everything the world has to offer. I want to have pleasure and entertainment, and I want to be powerful and all these things. And I also want to be a good Christian, you cannot do that. No one can be a Christian and stay in Egypt. The Bible teaches us that on virtually every page. The early Christians all say this, and the church has said this for 2,000 years. You can't have the world and have God. You must choose. That was kind of intense, huh? Sorry. But it's the truth. I always, sometimes I think on judgment day, like you're going to go before God and be like, you're, you know, he'll be judging you and you'll be like, Father Brian never told me. And I'm going to be like, oh, yes, I did. <laughs> right? Yes, I did. So hear that. That's important. And then they go, right? They leave Egypt and they go through the Red Sea. And tonight in 1 Corinthians 10, St. Paul says, that was Baptism. Right? God loved you. He saved you out of Egypt. He died on the cross for you and he baptized you. And then last point before we're the real homily tonight is that the main point of that chapter, 1 Corinthians 10, and I just, I hope you all know this, right? If, if you're a non-Catholic, right, one of the things that non-Catholic Christians tend to believe, almost all of them, is that as long as you have faith, it doesn't matter if you're able to live a good life or not. As long as you have faith in God, you're going to heaven. Tonight's second reading, St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 10, says the opposite of that. The main point of 1 Corinthians 10 is he says that God saved the Jews. He saved them out of slavery. But they disobeyed him in the desert. And because of that, right, they were on the way to the promised land, right? And our promised land is heaven. If you want to know what it means to be a Christian, 
is to go through the Exodus. You leave Egypt, you're baptized in the Red Sea. There's bread from heaven. If you don't know what that is, talk to me after Mass because this should be obvious. But there's bread from heaven on your journey, right? And you're on your way to the promised land. And St. Paul tells us that in the Exodus story, the Jews that disobeyed God were not allowed into the promised land. And he says to us as Christians, if you do not obey him, a worse fate awaits us than them. And I want you to have confidence in our Catholic faith. Our Catholic teachings are all over the scriptures. Okay, that was super intense. Awesome, I love it. (laughs) Okay, but tonight what I want to, I want to jump back to our first reading tonight. And, and so Paul tells us tonight that if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, it's to go through the Exodus. And our first reading is Moses at the burning bush. And I just want to talk about that tonight. And there's two things we're going to hit tonight from that reading that are so important for us today. And they're things that I think as modern Christians, we don't under, understand a lot of the time. The first one we're going to talk about is God's name. And the second thing we're going to talk about is God's presence. And those two things come together at the burning bush. Have you ever struggled with the the commandment not to take the Lord's name in vain? So once, I only have one story about this. I was like racking my brain today trying to like think of like a better story, but I'm like, I've only got one. I'm sorry, Lord. So my only story about the Lord's name in vain, I think, most people who, if they take the Lord's name in vain, it's usually a habit, isn't it? They usually don't mean to be, you know, really offensive. I think it's a habit they have. But anyway, my one story about this, when I was at my last church, I was at the gym I used to go to. And I I think I was all worked up, kind of like I am tonight. I think I get worked up at the 6 p.m. I don't know why. But I was all worked up about something, and I was at the gym, and I was working out really hard, and I was on the pull-up bar, and this guy walked behind me, and he took the Lord's name in vain really loud. Now, I hate conflict. I absolutely hate it. I am conflict-averse, but I was super worked up, and I was frustrated or something, and so I jumped off that pull-up bar, and this guy was like, you know, eight feet tall, 600 pounds. He was enormous, and I chewed him out. I really did. It's the only time in my life I've ever really done that. And I, like, I hunted this guy down in the gym, and, and, it, and when we're talking about our Savior's name, and he yelled it out. So I hunted him down, and I was like, you know, I don't even remember what I said, but I was like, what makes you think it is okay to say that? That is so offensive that is so wrong. How dare you in a public place? And I mean, this guy could have like snapped me in half. I know you think I'm ripped. I am. But he was even bigger than me, if you can possibly imagine that. And he just walked off. Now, I don't normally do that. And I actually would encourage you, it's probably not the best thing to do. I do think you and I need to be better witnesses to God's name. Most Christians... We tend, I think, I think most of us tend to be pushovers. Don't go to the other extreme and be a jerk. Don't do that. But we tend to be pushovers. Why does God's name 
matter. Tonight in our Exodus story, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses comes to the burning bush. And I just want you to, to pray with me a little bit about this tonight. The burning bush was a mystical, glorious, incredibly beautiful moment. Right? Moses, for the rest of his life, and we're told in, later on in Exodus 33, the experience Moses had with God at the burning bush was so powerful for him that he hungered to be in God's presence the rest of his life. I hope that's happened to you. Right, as you're on your Exodus journey as a Christian, as you leave the world behind, I hope you encounter God and you say, that was so powerful, nothing else satisfies. Lord, I just desire to be in your presence. So God sends Moses back to Egypt and he says, you're going to save my people. And Moses says, well, what am I, who are you, Lord? What name am I to call you by? And in Exodus 3.14, God says, I am who am. And here's, here's why this is so important. Later on in Exodus chapter 6, God says this. God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Think with, think with me for just a minute on this. Don't you love it when people remember your name? If there's someone like Archbishop Shap, he was famous for this. He, he was famous for being able to not see someone for, he would have met them once and he wouldn't see them for years. And he would remember their name. And people just love, there's something mystical about a person's name. In the ancient world, People believe that your name caught your essence. And so to know someone's name was to have an intimacy with them. It was to know who they really were. And so God says to Moses, he says, you know, in the past I led other people, they knew I was God, but they did not know my name. And two really quick points about this. In the Old Testament, the Jews hold God's name in such reverence that when that name appears, and if you were reading scripture, and the, the, that name, and we should still say this with great reverence, that name is Yahweh. And that is a name that you and I should hold in great reverence. When they see that on the pages of the, of the Bible, and if you're reading out loud, they wouldn't even say the name. They would say Adonai, the Lord. Because God's name is so sacred, they held it in reverence. The only time a Jew could ever hear 
the name of God was once a year when the priest would pronounce a blessing on the congregation of Israel. So that's the first point. The Jews took that seriously. Brothers and sisters, we need to take God's name seriously. If we don't do it, no one else will. If you have that habit, I want to encourage you. You've got to work that habit out of your life. Choose another word. One of the things that, I I, I never really had that one, but one of the things that I've helped people with is I thought, you know, imagine someone you love and imagine that someone uses their name as a swear word. If If someone used my mother's name as a swear word, they are going to be jacked up by one ripped priest, right? That's what would happen. God's name should be even more than that for us. Here's the second point. So we see, we see that that's God's name in the Old Testament. In Philippians chapter 2, there's this famous hymn. And Paul says, he says, Have this mind among yourselves which was in, which was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on human form. And being found in the likeness of men, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Now listen to this. It's this beautiful hymn about how Jesus emptied himself, right? Took the lowest place. He became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Because of this, God has highly exalted him. Here's the key. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Right? When, when Paul says that God has bestowed on him the name above every other name, the name Jesus is derived from the name of God in Exodus 3.14. It's derived from that. And our Savior's name is sacred. He bestowed on him the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father, Jesus is Lord. Brothers and sisters, we take God's name as something incredibly sacred. We have to renew that. You don't have to be mean about it. If you have people, if you have friends who say it, you should challenge them. If they say the name of Jesus in an irreverent way, don't be a jerk about it, but tell them, you know, I, you can just say, I hold that name as something sacred in my life. Could you please work on a different word? Okay, second thing tonight is God's presence. Okay, one more story, because otherwise you'll fall asleep. I know how you work. We need to talk about that word Holy. Holy means different. It means set apart. It means something special that is not something that happens in everyday use. When Moses appears at the burning bush, God tells him to take off his shoes for the place he is standing is holy ground. cool thing about that, that word holy 
In Exodus 3, that's the first time it's used since the creation of the world in Genesis 2. After the fall, there's a sense that sacredness is lost. But this is what God comes to do, right? He comes down in the burning bush. He comes to make the world a holy place. Okay, so story. So when I was a kid growing up, I, I, I think I told this not too long ago, but when I was a kid growing up, right, you, have, you have your house, and like you've got your family room and your kitchen and your dining room. And when I was a kid, we had this room called the Forbidden Zone. Did I tell you this? Okay, well, deal with it. Some, some people didn't, maybe. And I don't have a better story, so. The Forbidden Zone in the Larkin household, right, was we had three boys and we were totally insane. And if you don't know that yet, wait till you have kids, you'll get this. When you have kids, they just destroy everything. And we destroyed everything. And so my parents wanted one room in the house that wouldn't be destroyed. And so they named that room the Forbidden Zone. And so growing up, I always tell people, I understood that every family, you know, you have a family room and you have a kitchen and a dining room and every family has a Forbidden Zone. If you don't have one, you should. They're awesome. But here's the point, right, is that that room for me is an image of holiness, which sounds odd. But something that's holy just means, brothers and sisters, it means different. It means a place that isn't like every other place. It means a place, and holy means a place that is set apart, it is reserved for God. That's what holiness is. So Moses takes off his shoes. When the Jews build the temple in Israel, when you entered, you had to remove your shoes. Everyone in the temple was barefoot. And it reminded them that this was a different place. Jesus, and there's, there's so much to this, but here's what I want to drive home for you tonight. I want you to understand that for our life, you and I are called, we are called to enter the presence of God. And it's so easy for us to take that for granted. It's so easy to get used to that. So when Jesus died on the cross, so, so after the burning bush, right, they build the temple later on in the Old Testament. And what happened was that place was set apart the center of the temple where God's presence was is holy. And you do not go there lightly. If you want to enter God's presence, you have to be sanctified. And so in Jesus' day at the temple, at the center of the temple where God's presence was, only the high priest could go once a year. And what was it, do you guys know, what, what marked off that temple? What was, it, what was the barrier into the holy place? Yeah, the curtain, right? When Jesus dies, right, that veil, the temple veil is torn from top to bottom. Here's what I'm driving at. That presence that Moses entered, right, the presence of God that is holy that is set apart. Brothers and sisters, you and I have access to that. Right? When we come into this church, 
Right? I have a greater access to God's presence than even Moses did. And it's so easy for us to take that for granted. We can go through the motions, right? As Catholics, we say we go to Mass every Sunday and we get used to it. Brothers and sisters, don't get used to it. Don't grow accustomed to it. Be amazed at the gift that's ours. Right? That we are invited into a place that no one before Christ was. We are invited to be in his presence. And what that means is that you have to be purified. If you want to enter God's presence, you have to be made holy. We have to be sanctified. I want to leave you tonight with a, a quote from Origen. Origen says, We are not commanded to tear out and destroy the natural impulses of the soul, rather to purify them. That is, to purge and drive out the dirty and impure things which have come to them by our negligence, so that the natural vitality of its own power might shine forth. Moses at the burning bush, brothers and sisters, he learned two things. He learned, right, that God's name is holy. Tonight at Mass, we're going to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he learned that God's presence is holy ground. We're called to know that even more. Jesus, tonight, Lord, we pray for that. We pray that we would be purified Lord, I don't want to take your presence for granted. Jesus, I want to be amazed that I am allowed to be near you. I want to hold your name in awe and reverence. I want every knee in heaven and on earth to bend at your name. But Lord, purify us tonight, Jesus, that we might rejoice in your presence.